Are you a 3PL spending more time and money than you'd like recruiting and onboarding logistics roles? Then it's time to check out Rapido Solutions Group, the leaders in nearshore logistics staffing. Located right next door in Mexico, they have access to the freight talent you need. From carrier sales to tracking and tracing and everything in between, they can do the heavy lifting for you. So if you're ready to get your time back and want to move fast, check out Rapido Solutions Group. Visit GoRapido.com to get started today. Hello and welcome to the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics, the FreightWaves podcast highlighting founders doing it the way that doesn't get a lot of attention. We're here to change that and grow the small business community in our industry by sharing their stories and inspiring others to take the leap. I'm your host, Nate Schutz. Let's build something together from the ground up. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you for those who have stuck around this far in our journey of getting to meet new and interesting founders in the logistics space and listening to their stories of how they got into entrepreneurship. Last week, we had Danny with Rapido Solutions Group on the show and his amazing story of going from three to 450 people in 26 months. I don't know how he has any hair left on his head. No clue how he keeps it all straight. But Danny, thank you so much for being on the show last week. This week, we have the founder and CEO of TextLocate, Ryan Rogers, on the show. Ryan, good afternoon. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Ryan, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about TextLocate and how you got into this? We just kicked it off, just started last year, back in July, and it was really an opportunity to simplify visibility. So we saw an opportunity in the market to simplify communication with drivers on the road completely without, I guess you could say, appless, with no app at all. It's all via text message for location services to get the lat long back from a driver and also two-way communication. So we look at visibility and put it together from, you know, not just the location, but the communication with the driver, full visibility of what's going on with the load. From a shipper's perspective, you know, we talk about visibility all the time and end-to-end visibility looks like this and, you know, true supply chain visibility looks like that. And I think there can be the wrong impression that there is somehow some digital system that exists and undergirds all of the supply chain that everybody's simply tapping into. But that's really, really not the case at all, is it? No, it's actually a combination of many different pieces to get there. I mean, I really like a lot of the apps that are in the marketplace today that I think do a tremendous amount. But what's some of the issues that occur is some drivers don't like to be constantly tracked. So what we're doing is we're not actually going against the apps or that's not who we're competing with. We're actually competing with the old school telephone. So we're thinking, hey, take some of the existing products that are in the market and we add on top text locate as complementary to those apps. And again, we're trying to come from the phone call side of the business. So really people don't care about making phone calls that much anymore, but they want that communication. So we do all that visibility via text message and it makes it a lot easier. It's Because that way you can send it when you want to, they receive it and respond back. And it's a simplified communication way to communicate with drivers. It also brings up an interesting point because the general public for sure has no idea of what it takes to track an individual truckload. You know, using the phone is still the primary means or an app that the driver might have through their company if they're a company driver. But what is the, like, I'm an owner operator, I, I run one truck. 
and I do deliveries for, you know, a hundred different companies throughout the year. What is my experience like being tracked? Some of it is really challenging from that perspective, because if you're running for multiple, let's say multiple logistics companies, all those kind of things, you may have to have multiple apps actually on your, your phone. So you're kind of like, well, which one am I using today? Have I registered for it? Do I have location services turned on? And some people don't necessarily love that constant track. And then they also can, you know, sometimes the apps don't work or they may have an issue with maybe they didn't turn on the location services, things like that, that some people have a little bit more of a, a concern with usability. So with our method, you don't have to download an app and it also doesn't track. So it's similar to a phone call that makes a, it's like a digital phone call when you're saying, hey, what's my 1020? And that driver responds back, we're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, for example. And I say, hey, Chattanooga, Tennessee, whereas with the text, you can easily send it out. You've got a workflow process that we put together so you can send out all these messages all at once to multiple people. And then you work that queue and work that workflow. So for example, if I sent you something or I, and I sent me or three or four other people, I could send it all at one time. Each person responds and we just continue kind of working through the workflow. Instead of calling and dialing somebody, they don't answer. Now I've got to remember who I called. When did I call? When's the last time? Do I need to call them back? Or do you perpetually like just blast somebody seven times in a row before they answer? So it just eases that burden for location. And then also um, simple two-way chat straight to SMS. Well, it kind of reminds me in one sense of DuckDuckGo, which is an anonymous web browser that whenever you log in or you log out, it literally deletes all of your history and there's no cookies attached to it. So whatever websites you visit, it's like the first time you've ever visited it. Whereas, you know, Google or you know Chrome or any of the other, you know, major browsers, they're following you absolutely every single place you go. So is that sort of the... The angle here is you have your privacy back as a driver. You're not being tracked stop to stop to stop. And you're just focused on one leg at a time. Yeah, it it very much is. So I think of it like instead of constant tracking, the way I describe it when we do demos is that we're creating breadcrumbs. So you're creating breadcrumbs throughout the route. So you still do have that history. It doesn't wipe all that history. It's creating breadcrumbs throughout. So the driver and the driver's in control of that response back. So the driver likes it and makes it easier for them. Like, for example, I was on Sirius XM on Friday night talking in, you know, probably a large community of listeners were drivers and really encouraging the ease of text locate because you don't have to download an app to install. And then you are giving just your consent and you have to give consent each time as a driver for that location. So, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of similarities. So clearly you have some pretty deep experience in the visibility world. How did you see that this was an opportunity and that you had the the skills or the you know technical know-how to come up with a solution? A lot of that goes back to like many things in your career. You don't know how it's going to shape. You don't know where you're going to head next. And so I've got 23 years experience in logistics industry, fresh out of school, a couple of different companies. I'm a Chattanooga native, had the opportunity to fresh out, go to work for U.S. Express, spent 16 years there. Uh, between back office finance and then I ran their truckload brokerage division. And then from there, took a little time off, went to Amazon, ran procurement from North America for Amazon for a period of time, then initially ended up at Covenant Logistics as chief transformation officer. And there I had M&A innovation tech. So it rounded out more of the tech side of my skills and knowledge and experience. And additionally, I ran their brokerage division for or oversaw it with a team of people for a period of time. And what I did notice is over the years, there's been other tools there 
And what I like is I think the apps are really good. Like I don't downplay the apps. I actually promote them every time. When I'm talking to a customer, I'm like, hey, if you're using an app, that's great. They expect me to say, hey, move to me. And I'm like, no, don't move to me. If you have the app and the driver is fully comfortable with that, because there's plenty of drivers that are, they should use that. Now, what we can still do is take advantage of the two-way chat to communicate and things like that back and forth. But then the visibility makes it super easy to layer complementary on top. So the way we came up with this, we were identifying that there's X amount of population of drivers that did not want to be constantly tracked. And then they did not want to sign up for apps and they just, you know, fought against it. But then they were also challenging where you would find that they wouldn't answer their phone either. And it's like, hey, so I know shippers do want more information about their load. If it's a phone call or if it's just you're not getting a response, text is really nice to drop in a few of those check calls per day so that you get that progress update. And then the two-way chat, you can even say if they're not updating the location, you can say, hey, is everything going okay? At least get a response, something back that says, hey, we're still on track. Because the reality is of the check call process and the location, you're checking the box that all the ones that are actually working correctly. So your goal is to get through all the ones that are working correctly as fast as possible so you can alleviate the defects and then address the defects. Hey, which ones do I need to take care of? Which one's running behind? Which one didn't leave on time? Which one's in, you know, potentially in traffic? Which one is the truck broke down. Which one is a driver sick or not feeling well? I mean, it happens. There's so many issues that come up. And with our ability to do that layered on top of the app, we can take that and we're driving more to the driver's EQ side of the business by having that kind of communication and conversation. So putting all those pieces, that's kind of the why and why we found it. And then as far as skill set, I ended up getting connected locally with a couple of younger guys in the development side that we basically put something together and it at first, it didn't look very pretty, but it worked. And we were kind of like, hey, this works. And I think like many things, when you start a business, you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if other people are going to like it. But I thought it was cool. And I thought this is really effective. It works. We can grow into it. So we decided to, we all kind of sat down and said, okay, everybody do your part. And do you want to really take this on? And for me, it was a transition time in my career. And I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. And I wanted to say, yeah, let's go for it. So we had that technical capability and the workflow process and we put it in place and created a, we call it MVP, minimal viable product. And we kicked it off and off we went, not knowing whether anybody would care or not. What I think is brilliant about that approach is its utter simplicity. You weren't trying to design an ERP that would solve every problem. You looked at a pain point for brokers, shippers, and the driver which is really a transactional relationship. A check call is so transactional and removed the, the pain point from that by simply doing it. You can still have that transactional relationship, but through text, it is faster. It's cheaper. You can do it at scale. And you can offer more information if you think about it. I mean, you can text over the origin destination information and the driver doesn't have to remember it. You know, they can look back at their phone. Where is that delivery? Where is that pickup? Um, they're fumbling through emails to try to find it because their rate confirm was sent over. You can do all that via text where it's the easiest place for them to go during their trip to get that information. So now instead of just the phone call, hey, are you running out of time? Okay, anything, everything going on? Yep, going good. You remember where you're headed to, you know, the exact location? Oh, yeah, I'll find that in the email eventually. It's all right there. You can just push that information straight across. And drivers can ask questions about things. 
you have the distinction of being the youngest company on the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics so far at a whopping nine months old. Congratulations. I know you are at half a dozen or so headcount right now. Roughly about seven or eight. Yeah, so a little above that. We um, recently kind of expanded and got our, our first business development rep on the team. And before that, actually, my first hire was a customer success manager because I was selling on my own and continue to sell as well. But it was an opportunity because I thought about it and I was like, this is going to be a matter of if I can execute and convince people that this is a good product and they find that the product really fits their needs, I need to retain those customers. So I started with the retention side of it and making sure that they're using the product as well. But we just expanded and got business development rep and still climbing. So we got customer success manager, customer success rep. We've got digital marketing with developers, business development as well. And But we're still pretty small. We'll be right back. Have you heard about Bitfreighter and the EDI revolution? Bitfreighter helps companies automate communication with their freight partners through unlimited messaging and quoting. Traditional providers can't say that. The Bitfreighter team is also available 24-7 and responds immediately by phone, email, or yes, even text. Legacy providers can't say that either. So if you want to scale your operations to save time and money, come join the EDI revolution with us. Visit bitfreighter.com to get started today. It sounds like you have a systems thinker approach. You're looking at cause and effect differently. You're anticipating what your outcome or your, your intended state is and then building backwards to that. Meanwhile, you've got a simple idea and a minimum viable product that you don't know if the market is going to embrace or not. And you've managed to find balance between those two points, which is neat to see at such an early stage in the life of a company. So let's go back then and talk about the transition because you worked at US Express, Amazon. These are not small companies. And you reached the highest tiers of management. What was the career transition like? Was this part of the great resignation or was this brought on by COVID? How did you get there? You know, when COVID impacted Covenant, you know, they were making adjustments in how they managed the company for there for about three or four months and things were changing quite dramatically. So for me, it was a transition with the different leadership that they had. And we had just bought a company and kind of merging all those pieces in. So from a career progression, things were much different than what was originally expected. And so for me, I was like, okay, this is, you know, an opportunity to kind of, and, and I didn't do this as soon as I exited Covenant. You know, I was thinking, okay, what do I want to do next? I had been engaging in some ideas about things like this and then just debating what to do next and had a little bit of time and had a little bit of a non-compete. And I was thinking, okay, is this go back into corporate America, which I really enjoy. I, I like working with large teams and working with great people. It just, this thing that has now assembled into Text Look it just started to form. And I was like, hey, this, you know, you're not getting younger. This is a great opportunity. You've always talked about wanting to have something in, you know, an entrepreneurship type product. It's SaaS, it's tech, it's in the industry that you've been in 20 plus years that you have contacts. It just felt right. So it was one of those things that just, it came together and I was like, okay, I'm going to go for this. What has been the most fun in all of it so far? For me, it's actually having conversations with between friends to people I've never met that, you know, having conversations about the industry and being seen as somebody very neutral that's from a tech perspective and not seen as a competitor and just having those conversations, whether or not they become customers or not. I mean, 
it's nice when they do, don't get me wrong. But even aside from that, just continue to build that network and having relationships. And I mean, we end up sometimes I get on and I'm, you know, I'm pitching Text Locate. And by the time, you know, we start talking about Text Locate and show them, then we've pivoted talking about brokerage and experience in the past and things going on and the industry and all that, which so it's being able to be plugged into the industry and getting to really have a lot of conversations. The relationship part of it is a blast. I think we got introduced. We couldn't decide. Did we get introduced through Charlie Safro first at CS Recruiting or was it Ryan Schreiber? Yeah, I think we checked it. Charlie beat Ryan to the punch on this one. So not that we're in the game of you know creating rivalries, but as, 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 <laughs> as far as it goes, the world in logistics actually is very small. If you take that network first approach and seek to add value rather than take value from others, doors just magically seem to open, don't they? No, it really does. Um, and you never know when that will occur. And that's always been my approach is to try to give back more than you're trying to quote take, you know, really give back in the right reasons and the right ways and help connect people and opportunities happen just like this conversation. So you're exactly right. So where did the the relationship and those values come from? Were there any mentors along the way that you feel steered you to that place? Yeah, I always look at it from a business perspective. My dad was an early entrepreneur, um, had his own business. So obviously I grew up around that and saw that. You know, and he's even today 75 and, you know, we still talk and he wants to know what's going on. And, you know, he's watching LinkedIn and Facebook and telling me this and telling me that. And he wants to still be active in the game. So it's good to see that, that that entrepreneurial spirit continues to last. And then early in my career, I was fortunate to get connected with our, when I was at US Express early on, there was a pivotal change that controller that I was reporting to when I first got hired decided to take another role. He transitioned out. I all of a sudden was 24 years old reporting to our CFO. And for me, that was a, a huge opportunity to learn from him and grow. And then his name's Ray Harlan. And he and I worked together there for 16 years. And he did a lot, poured a lot of time. I poured a lot of effort and a lot of hard work in. And he put a lot of time and energy into, into helping me develop. That really makes a big difference in your career is having people. And I've always felt the same exact way to give back. I mean, I always try to teach as much as I can with others, explain things as well as I can and, you know, still give people, you know, a chance to learn and grow, but really pour that time into others. Because I was always taught really early, work yourself out of job. And what that really means is teach and coach as much as possible and let people develop as much as they can and don't hold anybody back. So what are you working on right now? So now we actually, um, it's interesting, we just rolled out some new releases to our existing products. So what's really nice about our product is that we created twofold, both a dashboard that you can log in and an API. So our, our product, Text Locate, has a full API that if you have a custom system or if you have other TMS systems with API connectivity, you can connect. So what's nice is you can get under, up and running in our product in literally one minute. And then you can also tie in the API with your technology team. You know, instead of just a whiteboard with this vision and ideas, we actually have a dashboard that kind of you sink your teeth in day one to see how it works. And the API is the sky's the limit but with connectivity there. And we just recently expanded some features. Now that we have the location services and two-way chat, we rolled out image capture as well. So uh, drivers can send back, whether it's the bill of lading, whether it's, you know, a receipt for something that they need to get reimbursed, lumpers, things like that. Or whether it's a picture of a trailer or a truck number or a situation that's occurring, um, they can now can send that via images. And we have message templates and we've rolled out bundle schedules as well for future kind of more automation to the product as well. And then as far as long term, 
we're trying to, you know, connect with as many people as we can because our, you know, from an integration perspective with other systems, our goal is to be the text enabler to the logistics industry. So when people think of text, we want them to come to us for our features like location and a two-way chat with image capture. What I love about the name text locate is it is every bit of information about what the company does in as few words as possible. There can be no question, what does text locate do? It's really simple, and we got really lucky on that one. Our you know former tries on names weren't so hot. I literally bought text locate on Google domains for $12, textlocate.com. It just worked out. I think that was another pivotal point that it was kind of like, hey, this has got, I mean, if you can find a .com that makes sense, then something must be helping here. As a non-technical SaaS founder, then, where do you spend the majority of your time on a day-to-day basis? So the majority of my time is is really a combination from, you know, running the business, managing both the financial side, the customer side, um, having a lot of sales calls, like growing the team, teaching the team, whether it be marketing. You know, I do a lot of marketing still via LinkedIn. We've got conferences we're going to. It's about everything. I'm not a coder, so I've definitely got, you know, the team to support me there that do that part of the business. And we get together and kind of lay out ideas and functions and features and stuff like that and think about, you know, I'm constantly giving them information about what we need from a in the market and they build really fantastic products. But aside from that, it's everything. I mean, it can be adjusting the sign because it's crooked. You can't see it, but we've got our little sign that we do demos behind us. Do You know, it can be taking out the garbage. It can be making payroll one minute, making sure our collections are coming in correctly, doing accounting. It's as a founder and bootstrapped, it's everything. Speaking of bootstrapped, then how did you decide how much money to put in the business day one? And was it the right amount? And where did the money come from? Really, I self-funded the product, getting it out from monies I've saved in the past and said, hey, I want to go jump into something like this. And because, I mean, I think at first it was, I wanted to make sure, you know, I didn't want to necessarily take on investors and say, okay, Brian, you think this idea is really good and get pressured into whether it's accurate or not, or whether it can make it or not. But we've seen product market fit now. We have a lot of customers. We have customers ranging from a $5 million logistics provider up to, you know, somebody that's very large, $4 billion industry player in 3PL space. And now that we got product market fit, it is a little debate. Okay. Do we raise money and go faster? Do we keep bootstrapped the way we are? And, and so far we've been able to make it make sense and work for us right now. Cash flow positive, kind of taking that approach of grow a little, spend a little, grow a little, spend a little, kind of, you know, that stair step that you will take. But at this point in time that we have really good at product market fit, we probably need to push forward a little bit quicker and a little bit faster in the marketplace. This question maybe would have been more interesting six months ago because it sounds like you're in exactly the right place and getting some tailwinds, but were there any moments along the way that you thought about quitting? I don't know that there's been a moment that I said, hey, I want to quit or give up, but there's been some pretty big struggles that you're like, hey, how did I really get into this? And this is a lot, you know, different and more difficult than I expected. You have the ups and downs. I actually talked a little bit on a, a Freightwave show about this. They were asking kind of a similar question. And I feel like it's almost like calendar blocks your day that, you know, you could have a call one minute that is um, you get the thumbs up, you know, and customer gets it really quick and they sign up with you. And then the next minute you get a, no, I don't think this makes sense. And you don't really understand why, but, you know, for whatever reasons, they don't want to move forward or something happens or something go, and you're, you're kind of like, gosh, and then you got to turn right around and get back on a sales call. 
You know, so you do have some ups and downs that, you know, people talk about day by day. It can be hour by hour sometimes. So what does your sales discipline look like then? If you're going demo to demo to demo, how do you stay up for all of them? I don't know. For me, it's a little bit of Diet Dr. Pepper. I'm not a coffee guy. So I, I, I go to have a soft drink here and there. And just I think it's just kind of like trying to mentally reset each time. And sometimes we have them literally back to back. And then sometimes we're able to spread them out a little bit. But when there's the opportunity, when a customer meets, you book it. That's just what you have to do. You don't ask for other times later. If they can make it fit then or make it work, then you make it fit in your schedule. It's tough. I mean, sometimes you just get up, walk out of the office and walk down the street, you know, and just kind of take a little bit of a break and things like that. But you're definitely putting the hustle in. I would wonder if we had the chance, if we could go back to your very first demo that you pitched and then compare it to one now and see the progress of not just the pitch, but the customer feedback of learning what really resonates with them and being able to communicate a lot of information quite simply. Do you ever look back you know, nine months ago and say, you know, like with any minimum viable product, they say you should be embarrassed by it. It should be so bad that you're embarrassed to put it out in public. Yeah, I don't think I would, I would be embarrassed or ashamed at all. I mean, everybody starts somewhere. You know, where it got started, I think it would, it's the maturity of the product. It's the maturity of how you develop yourself and the training and discipline that you've put together. But I think going back, I mean, my very first customer was my former employer at Covenant Logistics. They were a big supporter and right out of the gate and understood what we were building. So the first pitch, that was probably a little bit easier just because I was there and, you know, people I know. But, you know, the second pitch and the third pitch. And I know really early on what helped was I got a few people that were really believers early on, like Brad over at Loadsmith. He was like, hey, this I remember he's an entrepreneur. He started his own business. He's like, I remember on the weekends, I'm coming in making check calls. This would have made it so much easier. And he was kind of like, even the pricing plan, he was like, you know, our size, we probably need the entry level, but I'm going to do the middle because I know you need it and support it. And that meant a lot. And then Sean over at England Logistics was a big supporter early on, along with Coven and stuff. So people like that very, very early on that give you a chance. You don't forget those people. Well, we might have to do another Bootstrappers Network Connect then, and, and maybe you can introduce me to those folks and we can share part of their stories too. I'd love to hear it from their side. Yeah, that would be interesting. Really cool. Last question for you. Tell me about Beanie Babies. Yeah. So this was really interesting. I actually, you know, when you sent me over the form, I actually forgot to put that one in there, but that was a um, really interesting period of time. I was in college and I actually had a, a close friend from high school and his dad's one of these guys that's always hustling with something. He's, he's been very successful and done well, but he's always like, he had traded baseball cards back in the day. And then when Beanie Babies got hot, he was trading them. So during college, I literally signed up. He and I, I would go with him and this is literally during college, like Saturday morning and Sunday morning, I'd be getting up at like 530 in the morning. I would go to his, go meet him. We would load up his Jeep Cherokee full of Beanie Babies and drive about an hour outside of um, Chattanooga to a flea market and set up. And it was the wildest thing ever. We would sell crazy amounts of Beanie Babies all day long at a flea market, turn right back around at five or six o'clock, come back home repeated on Sunday. So we did that. And I did a lot every weekend for a long time. And it was a really good college job for me. I mean, the experiences like thinking back of, you know, the work ethic, the hustle, the, you know, talking to customers, being very approachable with people. And, you know, you really don't realize those things for, for what you're learning. It's even interesting. One of the best parts about it is when I was getting married, I actually negotiated and traded with him 
for hours work at Beanie Babies for his sky miles for flights to Hawaii. So, I mean, they got into where it was a little bit of everything. So I remember that like it was yesterday. But it was really um, a whole lot of fun to do that. And it was even when I had a full-time job, I was still doing that on the weekends just to uh, make some extra money and keep growing and building and paying down a little debt here and there and paying off cars early, just little things like that, building blocks. Do you remember what the most was you ever sold a Beanie Baby for? You know, I was thinking about the other day, but I don't, you know, we sold a lot in the several hundred dollars. But at some point in time, I mean, some of those, I was actually, the HBO has an actual Beanie, I think it's called Beanie Baby Mania or something like that, that they've got a little segment that's interesting to watch if you kind of grew up during that era. But I mean, I know we had sold some for a few thousand dollars at the time and people were thinking, hey, these are things that, you know, it's going to grow in value and I keep this and put it up for college tuition and all those kind of things. Like many things that you see that come and go at different times, it was uh, really interesting. The guy that started it was the way he created the craze was pretty amazing. I think it's fascinating, especially when you look at the wave of NFTs now and how they're getting compared to Beanie Babies. Still, somebody, if they see an opportunity and aren't afraid of the risk and can be opportunistic, and that's Entrepreneur 101 right there, regardless of what the field is or the service or the product. So good for you for getting started at a young age. And he even, it wasn't like we were not doing that without risk. I mean, it wasn't, we weren't buying the $5 Beanie Baby selling them for a few thousand. I mean, at times you'd buy one for two or 300, try to sell it for, you know, double your money or make a hundred bucks or something. I mean, you were also taking some risk with that too, that when the market slows down and that value changes, you get caught with all that inventory that's not worth much. So. Well, from Beanie Babies to logistics visibility, Ryan is your guy, everybody. Yeah, it's uh, been about 25 years to get here, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting. So Ryan, where can people find you and TextLocate? So we're really easy to find. TextLocate, as it sounds, TextLocate.com on the web, and we have all their information there. And then I'm pretty easily accessible and findable out there on LinkedIn. Just Ryan Rogers, you pull that up or search Ryan Rogers and TextLocate. Well, if you're a broker, carrier, or shipper who needs more visibility, give Ryan and his team a shout out. One of our goals here on the show, obviously, is to grow the community. The other is to support the entrepreneurs themselves and help them grow their businesses indirectly through you know, exposure and you know, getting their message out to a broader audience. So please go ahead and check them out and let them know that, that you heard about them on the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. If you would like to join the conversation with me, you can follow along at Logistics Twit on Twitter. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And you can check out FreightWaves.com for the whole roster of shows for your listening pleasure. Ryan, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, let's check in with you uh, in a handful of months. I'd love to hear how you're doing. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another founder share their story on the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. If you'd like to become part of the story yourself, please subscribe to our show and leave a review. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.